for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is going to be a great episode. I've got return guest and good buddy on Justin Hollinsworth to talk about how he uses the moon phases to be successful on Whitetails. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blasey, and today is episode 125. And before I get into this, I do want to apologize to everybody out there because I've got uh, a lot of stuff on my plate right now, and it's uh, the podcast has kind of taken a back burner. Last week, I was out all week. My daughter broke her femur. She's going to be three years old in a week, and that's right, she broke her right femur. And it uh, it was pretty crazy. It happened at daycare. We got a phone call Monday morning and said, you know, we need you need to come pick her up and everything. We went right to the ER. Did not know her femur was broken at that time. They took x-rays and then shipped us off to a bigger hospital, a children's hospital, where we spent two and a half days. Uh, so she's doing good now. She's in a full cast. She'll be in that cast for six to eight weeks, and it's a big adjustment. <laughs> uh, so that that's kind of taking precedent right now, not to mention that we are coming up fast on closing on our house. We sold our house, which I had mentioned before in an earlier podcast, and trying to get where we're going, you know, going to live for the next year while we build our house. We're trying to get that ready and trying to move stuff out of our house. So we've got a lot of stuff on the on the burner right now. And I, I think I may have bit off more than I can chew, but um, the podcast has kind of taken a backseat. But I, I apologize. I'm going to try to get them out as, as quickly and, you know, hopefully every week that I can because uh, I know everybody out there really likes to listen to the fall podcast every week. And I appreciate that. I, I can't even explain to you how much Justin and I appreciate that. Uh, Justin is not on today's episode. He is in Utah on a mule deer hunt. So I haven't got any, um, updates from him yet. So I don't know how he's doing, but, uh, we'll, we'll find out soon because I know he'll be back here soon and, and, uh, we'll be doing a podcast talking about his trip. So hopefully he kills one. But I'm going to fast forward and, and get to this week's podcast and talk to you a little bit about what we're covering today. So Justin Hollinsworth, I had him on a couple weeks ago. I mean, just one of the most solid dudes that you'll ever meet. And honestly, he is probably one of the guys that I've ever met that like just, you know, is just, I mean, everybody's a student of the game, but he just takes it to an elite level. And I really like picking his brain about this stuff because he's got he's got the the track record to back it all up. So that's why I kind of I pick his brain and like to have him on because he he's done it. You know, he's been there and done that. It's taken him years to do it and he'll even tell you, you know, 
he's failed a lot to succeed. So it, it takes that failure to in those in those growing pains and those steps to get to where you know where he's at. And he's still learning too. I mean, he'll tell you, you know, he's not an expert by any means, but he knows his stuff. So just going to kind of rattle off a little bit what we talk about. We talk about the moon phase now. Justin's got uh, a specific way that he uses the moon around the full moon. It's pretty unique to hear. So we talk about that. And then we talk about, you know, hunting mobile. That's something that I'm going to put in my, you know, arsenal this year on my family farm is hunting mobile, getting in, getting tighter, hanging and hunting more. And then we talk about how the full moon is going to fall this year on Halloween and what that means to him, like what his game plan is around Halloween, around that full moon and how he's going to use it to benefit him. So it's a good podcast. I, I really enjoy his company and, and hopefully you guys will enjoy this. So sit back, relax, uh, sip a toddy if you want, I guess, or if you're driving somewhere in a long drive and and uh, your wife or kids in the in the car. Hopefully you enjoy this with them, and hopefully they don't tell you to turn it off. I guess so. Appreciate your guys' support, and as always, you know, thank you for everything. And I'm gonna get over to this interview with Justin. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. Today I have actually a guest I had on a couple weeks ago, and I mean my life has been busy. Yours has been busy. We've rescheduled. We've got a lot of things going on, but I want to do a part two of what we did before. Um, Justin Fabian is not with us. He's on a Utah hunt right now for a meal deer, so I mean lucky him. But uh, Justin Hollinsworth is back on the podcast with us. So Justin, welcome back to the podcast, man. Thanks for having me again. I'm yeah. excited. I am too. We've been, I, we've been chatting it up though lately, so we, <laughs> we could have had a couple podcasts already. I know it. My recorder says 21 minutes, and that was just just bullshit session, basically. So uh, <laughs> there's some things I want to touch on today, and um, I mean, you and I have kind of talked about it. You know, we we brushed on it in the first episode that we did, and it was the moon phase and how you hunt the moon. So I definitely want to talk about that, but there's some other things I want to get into, um, how you're using cell cams, and I want to kind of like set that point home because my cell cam's been doing the same thing. So that kind of just reiterated like what you've been learning over the years. I like, I actually saw it firsthand this summer already. Uh, so I want to get into that. And then if we have time, I want to get into your approach from October 23rd to December 1st, because you even said yourself, you know, I think you think a lot of guys think you just hunt early season, kill your buck and then you're done. But you have a, a totally different approach once you know, 23rd, 24th of October comes around. So I want to get into that because that's, that's intriguing me. And I've been trying to model a little bit of what I'm going to do this year around what you're doing, just because you and I've been, I've been picking your brain like crazy and I really like what you're doing and I want to implement some more things to there. So if that sounds good to you, I'm ready to do it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I'm happy to help too. I mean, plus I, you know, I always look at it like this too is, you never know when, you know, I can pick up something from somebody else too, just through like conversations like this. So for sure. Um, I'm always, I mean, I, I, when you stop being a student, um, and you become a know-it-all, I think you hurt yourself. So I think always being a student and trying to learn as much as you can, uh, about, about, uh, the the greatest creation god ever put on earth is uh um always uh always the way to go i think yep i definitely agree man well let's start off with this moon phase so to kind of reiterate to everybody listening last podcast we talked about you you we brushed on how you said if there's a full moon the four days before the full moon the was it the morning movement in daylight is really or no after the full moon so the four days leading up to the full moon the night movement's really good and then the four days after the morning movement's really good correct yeah so the kind of the way that i looked at looked at it and this is you know everybody's going to have their own theory and everybody's going to have their own um i guess style or whatever around the moon and how they go about it but this is just my observation and i'm by no means an expert but based off of field experience and 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 running a a lot of cell cams um over the last i've been running probably 10 to 18 cell cams probably over the last three to four years but i've been running cell cams probably for eight years now 
Um, what I see is you have your full moon, you have the day before and the day after the full moon. Those three days in there always, for whatever reason, tend to be a little slow. The four days leading up to those three days that I'm talking about, those those days always seem to be really good evening movement. Um, I've killed some really good deer during those four days. And then you come around to the backside of that on those other, on those, those three days that are kind of dead. And the four days after that, the morning movement um, tends to be really good. That's actually how I killed my deer last year was on that morning movement um, after the full moon. So that's what I see. Okay. So did you dive any deeper into that? Like correlation to, is it weather? Like, did you have like a weather pattern that you had more times than not when you were killing those bucks or was it just didn't really matter? I mean, weather, you know, cause a lot of, you know, weather trumps moon basically. So, uh, was it weather or was it, you know, high pressure, low pressure system? Like, did you dive into it that deep? Yeah, so I looked at the weather and I looked at the pressure, and it obviously the cooler temps. It, it always, you know, that always increased that movement um, on one of those on one of those four day phases. But the movement, even if nothing changed, the pressure stayed the same for say those, um, you know. 10, 12 days in that time frame, or, or and the weather stayed the same. And um, it's, but the thing that happened was the movement was always still really good in in those four day time frames. Okay, um, that didn't seem to affect anything. But um, the pressure, um, I'm not, you know, obviously I like a high pressure day, you know, and the, uh, a bluebird sky, you know, like that, that kind of stuff to me, like, yeah, for sure. But on the other side, I've had some really good days too, when it's kind of spitting rain a little bit and, and, um, and kind of crappy out. So, um, you know, if, you know, to me, I think it's more weather dependent, um, to make those moon phases better. Not pressure, not okay. my opinion. Okay, I, I totally get that. Now, it, it, when you mention rainy days or precipitation or anything, my two my two biggest bucks that I killed in Michigan, um, the one, it was raining all day. I woke up that morning, it was raining, raining all day. It stopped, you know, right before the evening sit, and it turned like sunny. You know, it got warm. It kind of got humid a little bit. There was a little bit of cloud cover. But I killed him that night. That was on October 1st, early. I killed him on a transition from bed to food. I was closer to food for his destination. Um, and then my other buck I killed with a muzzleloader in late season. So December 6th, I believe it was. I think it was December 4th, 5th, or 6th. I can't remember. I got it wrote down. But it was snowing so bad. It was this, It was a snow that, like, when you look out, you can't even see 40 yards. You know, it's just so much snow coming down. Oh, and yeah. It's coming down sideways. Um, so that, those two biggest bucks in Michigan that I killed were around, you know, precipitation, stuff like that. Now, you know, filming for the last nine years, we were in Missouri back in 2014. I think it was 14, 14 or, no, it was 2015. That's what it was. We actually had a tornado touchdown. Okay, in a field next to us. We're in the truck going in that evening to hunt. The rain just came in like out of nowhere. Tornado touchdown. It rained hard for 30 minutes. We just sat it out in the truck. And went, I mean, right when the rain stopped, we got right, in it, right into the stand. And we had a good buck come by us. And Casey ended up killing him right underneath of us. So like precipitation, everything. When that happened, that encounter happened, I started like, looking up different things about precipitation, rain and stuff like that. And a lot of people are saying that like after a rain, uh, a deer's sense of smell will like heighten, you know, it, 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 it you can smell a lot more the earth. You can smell the earth as a human, you know, like it oh, just, everything sure. kind of comes alive and the deer, I guess really it opens up their, you know, their, their sinus 
their nose glands or all the stuff like that and they like to move i that's what i've been reading <laughs> so oh, um, but i agree i agree with that 100 percent because i grew up like as you know i i grew up coon hunting a lot and running dogs and training dogs and and i i can tell you i mean a dog's nose works twice as good under those conditions yep yeah definitely and, and that's because so I, I know. Yeah, I, I know some coon hunters as well, and they like to train their dogs when it's kind of when the water or the water, the ground and everything is kind of moist. Like you know, you got that like dew kind of feeling at night. Like they'll run them at night when it's like a dewy night. I don't know. That's just what I've heard and what people that I know of do. I don't know if there's any science to it or not, but that's just what they do. For sure. Oh yeah, I definitely used to. I mean, you take a. You know, you turn a dog loose on a uh, really cold night or you turn a dog loose on a really, like, dry conditions like we've had here lately. I mean, they really have to work. Now, you put a little moisture on that ground, um, a little moisture in the air, um, and it's unbelievable how how much quicker that that they, they can work. But, you know, back to your story about, you know, you guys – had that big storm and everything that came through and then it kind of, it kind of cleared up like right after that. And you got in there, man, I'm telling you, like I've, I've set my truck before and waited out some stuff and watched the radar and then said, okay, um, yeah, it hasn't stopped, but it's going to be stopping here real soon. And when it does stop, I want to be where I want to be when it does. Yep. And that's when you, haul ass and get in where you want to even if it's still raining i'd rather be i'd rather it still be raining and and then get to and then get to my spot and then let the movement happen yeah that actually now that i think of it that happened to us in iowa this last year uh i went down casey and i went down october 1st that first week and we had rain for like four days straight and finally it was like let's just go hunt i mean it was a downpour we got like we just put all of our rain suit on and everything and we sat at the edge of food one evening and it rained and rained it rained all the way to the stand i mean we were just getting soaked camera we had the camera you know protected and everything because we figured it was going to stop got in the stand mm-hmm. it stopped and i'm i'm telling you we didn't we saw a couple little bucks but we saw a pile of does they were just coming out to the beans eating and i mean does were moving everywhere so there's got to be some science to it because every time i have precipitation i feel like i have a good sit whether it's numbers or it's the deer you want to see so i think it, you know i think a lot of it too just has to do with the fact that you had that weather change and it like almost excite it's almost like it excites them or something Yep. And gets them on their feet, you know, and almost like makes them happy where they're like, oh, I want to get up and move around and, and feed and, 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 and do my thing where, you know, I think in a lot of, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, on a kind of just, and that's why sometimes you movement can be slow on kind of a rainy day, yep. you know, it kind of makes them lethargic, just kind of like, kind of like we get once in a while, you know, on a rainy day or or maybe when the weather's like super hot and spend that way for a while or whatever, but you throw that into the mix. And I think it's like also they want to be on their feet. For sure. I, I would definitely agree with that. Now to kind of go back to your moon phase here. So you were talking about, you know, the, the, the days coming up to the full moon and the days after. So a couple weeks ago when we had our last full moon, I, have been running a cell cam on one of my food plots and I'm not kidding you. I haven't had any pictures in the morning, no pictures all summer, you know, that I've had the cell cam out, no pictures. It's either, you know, you can basically pinpoint them at night at eight o'clock. They're going to be hitting the food plot, you know, throughout the night a little bit. So after we did that first podcast, it like hit me one morning. I woke up and I had notifications on my phone that I, you know, the trail trail cam went off. I looked at them. And there was like six does on my food plot. And I'm like, wow, that's it, it. Like it hit me. I'm like, man, I haven't had deer in here in daylight in the morning at all, all winter or all summer. And mm-hmm. then I'm thinking in bed, I'm sitting in bed. I'm like, I thought of you. I'm like, oh my God, when was the full moon? Cause I didn't know when the full moon was went back and lo- looked at like the lunar calendar. The full moon was two days before that. <laughs> so I'm like, holy shit. Like there's some actual truth to this. So, and I'm not kidding you, in the next two days, it was the same thing. 
and then it started petering off. And I'm yep. like, God, what is this? This is like scientific shit. Like, why don't you know? Like, why, how is this happening? So then that's when I text you, and I was like, Dude, this is like, it hit home. Um, but I just, you know, you reiterated to me running cell cams, and now there's a lot of people out there like cell cams are bad. Like, I really like them for the fact that how you were like kind of put in my head, you can see that real time. You know, trail cams, normal trail cams, you pull the card maybe three weeks later, and then you got to go back to and look at what the weather was doing that day. I got this real time, and it just clicked. So I totally get it. Love that you told me that. <laughs> Are you there? I lost you. <laughs> I know. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. That's weird. <laughs> I had full bars. I don't know what the heck was. I could hear you saying hello. <laughs> Yeah, just all of a sudden it just cut out, and I was like, I don't know. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> what was the last thing you heard? We'll pick up from there. Um, we were talking in regards to uh, um, leading, like, how you'd text me because yep. you seen the movement and around uh, that full moon. Okay, so after the technical difficulty, sorry about that to everybody. But, uh, yeah, so the the full moon you're talking about the the days before and the days after well my my cell cam went off and i i wasn't having pictures all summer in the mornings and daylight and now you know it just hit me i'm like you know why are these does showing up in the morning on my food plot now and they haven't been there all all summer well i made me think about you and like when is the full moon so i went back and looked at the full moon and it was two days before that day and i'm like there's no way like and then it happened for two more days, and then it kind of like slowly started petering off. And then they haven't been in there in the morning since then, but they're in there at night now. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, man, this is scientific shit here. Like he's got he's got something something figured out here. And then you know, I it I just think it's cool. I geek out on stuff like that, and I appreciate you telling me that. <laughs> and cell cams is what really kind of tuned me into that a little bit more. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I would have caught on to that if I was just out there pulling SD cards all the time. I mean, right. you would have had to sit down and like really do some, you know, hardcore um, uh, record book keeping to, to be able to figure that out. Yes. And I mean, not everybody has that kind of time, but when you're getting that stuff pumped right to your phone and then you can just then turn and look to see what the moon's doing and i mean and over time you're still you know you're you're seeing this same thing kind of happen all the time well then that's when it like makes you pay attention to it even more and then you're like then you're really want to soak it in every every single time you you know you start getting the, that movement and i noticed that like here recently so today's um august 14th on august 4th we had our full moon and um, leading up to that full moon, um, boy, I was getting, my cameras were lighting up like crazy in the evenings, like broad daylight pictures of good bucks. And then, um, then went through a little stagnant period right there, right at the full moon. And then all of a sudden it got really active again on the backside of that in that, in, in the mornings. And here recently, um, say for the last, you know, say four days or so, five days, then it's been super slow, like just like crazy slow. Mine's been the same way. Yeah. And I think like you and I talked, you were talking about how the weather's just been like so stagnant and so like just dry and nothing's really changed. You know, it's pretty warm during the day and nothing's really changed. We need some rain. And I just, you know, to reiterate your point, like we need some sort of change. We need some, we need some, you know, what was it? Two weeks ago, I think, or something here in Michigan. Uh, it was like hot for like, I mean, a month or something. And then it literally went down to like 61 degrees at night, like at like prime time when you want to be hunting. And I'm like, shit, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go glass some deer. And I went up to my family farm. We have a big hay field up there. I mean, I saw 85 deer and... I mean, there was like, at one time in our field, there was like 85 deer and I think almost half of them were bucks and they were just moving all over. And I'm like, holy shit. So like just that big 
drop off, you know, of of temperature was was key, and we only had that temperature for like a day or two, and then it went right back up. But it could t- you could tell the deer were moving more with a change. Oh yeah. So oh, with, without a doubt, I mean that that I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of the same movement too. I was jumping in my truck in the evenings and and cruising around, and um, you know, because I always and the other thing I do too, just you know, yeah, I got my spots, and I always try to get like you know maybe you know catch a you know catch a couple of deer that I'm interested in, but um, I always drive other places too. I'm always looking for other bucks outside of that. <laughs> yeah. I am, and I like, and I'll look for other farms. And if I see another good buck on another farm somewhere else, and I start, then I, I, you know, the wheels start turning, and I'm like, okay, who owns this piece? And then I start digging into, you know, uh, possibly getting access and stuff like that to it. So I'm always yeah. I'm, that's that's a constant for me, for sure. Now, with the full moon, now you have tendencies around the full moon. So, is there any other moons or any other things that you look at? with the moon that are, are trigger points? Um, I, I just, I kind of narrowed it down. I try to narrow it down and make it as simple for sure. Um, yep. As I can, because I, there's so much talk out there. I think, I think there's, I think some people have just made it way overly complicated than what it really is. Um, I, I just, I noticed that, you know, during that blackout phase, I mean, it's the, the movement tends to be, you know, definitely a little slower. Um, if it's rut, it seems to be midday's better. Um, you know, you'll catch that movement now, you know, outside of the rut, I don't see, you know, um, I don't see that. I don't, I don't see that midday movement or anything like that, but during the rut for sure. Okay. Um, so, and, and that's what, you know, since 2008, I think it was, I've been keeping track of like a lot of my significant encounters or kills or something like that. And I'll write down, I was telling you, I write down like the day it happened, what happened, you know, some notes, the outcome, whether it was morning or evening, the moon phase, you know, what the wind was doing, the temperature and the pressure. So I was trying, you know, back then I was just trying to find correlations, anything, anything I could tip in my favor. And when I've got the Excel doc in front of me here, you know, since 2008, I've killed one, two, three, four, five, six bucks on waning gibbous moons. So waning okay. gibbous are the, you know, basically a quarter moon right before a new moon. So the new moon is when it's completely dark. Um, so I've, I've killed majority bucks on that. And then the second most I've killed on waxing crescent moons. Um, and that is, I got my notes right here. It's a quarter moon. Or no, I'm sorry, waxing crescent quarter moon right after a new moon. So it's like right before the dark moon, and then right mm-hmm. after the dark moon is when I've killed most of my bucks. Um, I, I don't know if there's any correlation to that. I think I might need to dive into it a little deeper. But I've killed one buck on a full moon, uh, and it was an evening sit, October first, and then one on a waning crescent, and one on a waxing gibbous. So it's like the waning gibbous and waxing crescent are really, you know, those two moons have leaps and bounds above any other moon that I've, I've been successful at. Yeah. Um, it, it just, and it, it's so depending, so dependent on the time of year too. For sure. Um, I, I'll say this, I probably use the moon more, during those first 20 days of season those i mean I, that's a key time for me as far as like how i'm gonna it's gonna predict me on how i'm gonna hunt and when i'm gonna hunt and um i you know and i change i you know i change it up once around the october you know that 23rd of october 24th of october you know that's when i start to to change it up and by the time i get into november um, yeah, I'm still using the moon. Um, it's basically positioning me, me where, you know, I'm, I'm going to be hunting. Um, and you know, maybe it's, you know, you know, maybe you get a good, maybe you had a moon phase that shows the, you know, the, um, uh, the movement's real good, um, in the mornings, um, where, 
okay, so I'm not going to hunt over a food source. I'm going to slip back and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to slide in and hunt some beds and catch them coming back or a transition area. But, um, but yeah, it, and then by late season, um, now I will say this during late season, I don't hunt mornings at all. Really? Okay. Yeah. So to kind of go back to you, so you said the, you know, first, let's say 23, 24 days of October, you're hunting the moon. I mean, you're, unless the weather probably trumps that, if you got a good cold front in, you're probably thinking the moon phase, screw that. I mean, it's a cold front. I'm hunting a cold front. I mean, anybody is. So, so from, let's say that 23rd, 24th of October until the end of season, let's say December 1st, let's just put that time frame on it. What's your approach? I mean, what, 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 uh, are you, you said you're really not looking at the moon during that time, but like, what is your approach going the rest of the season through, um, you know, the rut and how are you changing up your, your approach, I guess. So when we get to that point, like around the 23rd, um, I'll still pay attention to the moon phase for sure. Um, and that will, that will dictate me maybe like where I might set up and stuff like that. But, um, that's probably the time frame where that's when the sign really starts to show up. Um, you know, that's when, you know, scrapes get really active. Um, you know, you see all the big rubs starting to pop up, stuff like that. That's when I really get into that, uh, part of like just reading the sign and going in and, um, and, that's when I get mobile too and start to bounce around. I don't get very mobile in that early part because I'm trying to manipulate them in, in certain locations and trying to put them where I want them. Um, but that's where, you know, when I get to that 23rd, that's where um, scrapes are huge. Are you, um, are you at that time? Are you moving your cell cams to scrapes? Yep. Yeah. I start transitioning a lot of cameras to, um, to scrapes. Um, and trying, maybe I won't be hunting like right, you know, maybe I'm not trying to kill that deer right off that scrape, but it's, it's a good way to at least give me a direction of travel, um, and where he's coming from and going back to, um, that a lot of times that those few pictures in there will, um, give me a good idea, especially if I know the property likes, you know, really well. Most of the farms that I hunt, I, I know all these farms really, really well. Um, and then I'll say, okay, I, I got a feeling he's bedding over on that point. Um, and this is where he's coming and going. And then that's where I'll try to try to move in and maybe, you know, catch him, maybe kind of maybe hooking around because i think i think sometimes some of these bucks will just like they will with their bed i think sometimes they'll jay i think they'll jay hook a scrape too right to come to kind of come in downwind of it if they're i mean to kind of fit yeah so i got a scenario for you before i get it's going to be a little off tangent you just kind of triggered something i want to talk about um because i want to get back to the mobile hunting but so let's say you're transitioning your cameras mm-hmm. to, to scrapes. Now, let's say one camera, you know, because a lot of times bucks will hit scrapes after dark. And, yep. you know, so you're like, okay, he's here. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, he's here. Okay, I got a good buck here. He's in the area, but he's not daylight. So if you get a buck that is hitting a scrape, you know, in daylight, what are you thinking? Like, what what's the first thing you're thinking? Like, shit, I got to pounce now. Or is it like one of those, because even if it's in like leading up to the rut where they're starting to get a little frisky and you're like, well, maybe he's just doing his due diligence and checking all of his scrapes. Or are you thinking like, man, he's betting close right now. I need a pounce right now. Yeah. To me, I mean, if I get a daylight, if I get a daylight picture of a deer that I'm after, man, I'm going after him. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm not, I'm not going to horse around and, and wait and, and see if he does it a second time. Um, if I get a daylight picture of a deer, say he came in in the evening, uh, on a scrape and typically the other, the, the one problem with scrapes, a lot of times they won't, they won't hit them a second day. Right. You know, well, you know, some, a lot of times I see them where they, they work them in like an, almost like a three day cycle. And, and then 
or you know right after a, a rainstorm so say maybe i seen a deer he came in and he worked that scrape and in, in broad daylight well i'll a lot of times well i guess i will wait a day because then i might go and formulate a, a game plan to go back in and do a hanging hunt on the second and third day expecting for him to come back okay to rework that again unless it rains if it rains or something in between there um and he hasn't been back in there i'm definitely going to try to beat him to that and that's where looking you know and, and seeing where that deer is coming and going will play into that and where i where i set up and a lot of times i won't set directly over them but if there's a situation that um that forces that then then i will for sure um, so when you're talking about the rain you're saying you're going to get in there because those bucks have to come back and freshen those scrapes up right and they're going to try to they're going to check them to see if anybody else did that because that's kind of like a deer's like when a deer a deer knows like even does like they hit scrapes so like they're mm-hmm. he's going to come in and you know even a doe is going to come around and be like okay i gotta go they just know that they have to go do that is that right is that correct like yeah, go in and work like that they, scrape up again yep i feel like they have to go back in there so say so say say he's been working a scrape and say during that day say that morning or whatever, say nine, 10, 11 o'clock that day. And, and, and you got rain that comes through and, and then the rain blows out of there or whatever. Um, I would be chomping at the bit to be over there and set up somewhere expecting for him to come back through that evening to freshen that scrape. Yep. I got you. That makes a lot of sense too, because we have a scrape on our family farm. I mean, it's there every year. It's the community scrape. It's the hub, but all the bucks hit it after dark. You know, you'll never get a buck that's hitting that usually in daylight, no matter what. I I don't know why. Um, but I think it's just the hub. And so then that always made me think like, okay, he's here, but it's not daylight. You know, where's he coming from? How, how do you, I think it's, me personally, and it could be me in my own way, but it it's hard to hunt that deer. You know, it's hard to it it's hard to figure out that, what the hell he's doing. Is that scrape on a field edge? It's on a food plot edge, not a big food plot, like a uh, quarter acre at the most. So the most effective scrapes that I've ever been, I, I've not had, I, I've had very little luck on field edge scrapes. Um. Now, if you watch that video from that buck that I shot last year, that deer hit two scrapes before he came into that little food plot. Now, that little food plot is like a little tiny micro plot that I created inside of the woods. So he's basically just stepping out of the cover for just a, just a little bit right? and, and working that little edge over there and then walking in. So he kind of stays in the cover the whole time. And that's why those scrapes, um, that's why those scrapes and that plot work. So, and the, and even some of the best scrapes I've ever found on field edges, I just never seem to have any, um, good luck over those. But when I find those interior scrapes that are like a, a hub scrape, leading out to uh, a food source, those are the scrapes that I'm looking for and that I want to hunt. And sometimes I'll create those scrapes. Does it necessarily – I'm sorry, go ahead. And sometimes I'll go in and create that scrape. Um, and uh, a friend of mine turned me on to this, my buddy Heath Cisco, and take a white pine branch – and we'll zip tie it um, to a spot where we can make a mock scrape. And, um, you know, I got, I got scrapes now. I've been doing this for about five years where now those have been, those have become hub scrapes inside of the woods. And I will purposely 
manipulate that spot, put that mock scrape in there with a tree and a wind in mind and where the deer or where the bucks tend to like to, to bed on that property to where they can come around, kind of J-hook into that scrape, and I'm off to the one edge, but then they're kind of and they're kind of leading them out to wherever you know whatever destination food that they're that they're that they're going to. Those scrapes work um, the best, and if you can find one that they've naturally done on their own, that's even better. Okay, so are you finding these scrapes or making them close to any security cover, or is it, you know, it, do you find would be more successful? you know, like yeah. ones that are closer to security cover? For sure. Yeah, that's a that's a huge, huge key to that. Like, you want it to where it is close enough um, that they're going to move through there because they feel secure um, with, with the cover. But you got to also be able to make it to where you can actually get to the tree that you want to, too, and For not sure. blow up your spot. Um, trying to trying to get into that location so do you have like a buffer that like so i mean is it 80 yards from security cover is it 20 yards like have you seen differences in like distance work better than that um yeah you know probably around probably about i'd say 50 yards okay from that from that that's kind of the sweet spot yeah it seems like that kind of somewhere right in there seems to be really good and then they can they kind of kind of you know hold up in there and mill around and kind of wait for you know to to get dark before they they move out to those spots yep you know sometimes it's like you know very last light in the woods because you know always it's always getting darker inside of the woods than it than it is out there and um and they'll look they just feel comfortable in those spots and i've just had a lot of good luck like using that using those white pine branches and i'll take i'll take vines too um because they love to chew on those vines um and put their saliva all over those things i got you yeah that that's like something jeff sturgis he loves to do is the vines and i got a couple buddies that do the vines as well um they work yeah they really do and they just love playing with the damn thing (laughs) So yeah, no, Jeff, Jeff knows what he's talking about with that. I've watched a couple things and I, I definitely agree with him on that. Yeah, I, I do as well. So to kind of go back to the mobile hunt. So from October 23rd ish to December 1st, you're going mobile. So first of all, let's, let's kick it off. Like what is your mobile setup and you know, how do you approach that? So, um, my mobile setup now and what I'm using is I'm using the Lone Wolf Custom Gear 1.0 um, is one of my setups. And then I also have the new Point .5, um, which is the Point .5 is just, it weighs just a little over five pounds. And um, I'm using two mini sticks with eighters. And, and then what I've done is I put a bag at the bottom, zip tied a, a little fanny pack bag basically at the bottom of my seat then i can throw all my straps and everything in in, in there i think my whole setup is around 12 pounds wow with the 1.0 or the 0.5 uh with the 1.0 i believe it's around wow yeah i believe it's around 12 pounds i have to weigh it again um everybody gets all crazy about that weight thing (laughs) yeah i I gotta watch what i say with that because they're like well i weighed this and like they'll be posting stuff online and everything else of stands hanging off i'm like okay whatever but um (laughs) now with only two mini sticks how big are the mini sticks and i i you did say that you're running eighters so that helps as well but how big are the mini sticks yeah well i'm running four i run four mini sticks oh okay gotcha um but and i might try something a little differently too um I might try something in regards to like, um, well, a lot of times I'll have a, I'll have a couple screw in steps, um, in my pocket. So sometimes my first couple steps are just, I'll, I'll just run a couple, like Cranford seems to make like the best screw ins ever. I don't know what they do with that screw, but those things, I mean, you can take those things in a honey locust and they, and they slide. <laughs> you can do like them one handed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know what it is about their screw, but I'll run a couple screw in steps and then, um, and Andre kind of turned me onto this was like over the fact that he's had bucks and I've had this happen too, not realizing it until conversations with him 
where bucks have come in and seen that stick or seen that strap on that bottom of that tree and just or doze and just not like it where they don't seem to do that with the screw in it's almost okay. like they don't see it yep um so sometimes i'll i'll, I'll run a couple screw ins and then i'll start going up and what i might end up doing is just doing the three screw ins two mini sticks with the aiders and then the top stick being our new double stick. So for a transition stepping, stick. Yes, yep. exactly. That's a good idea. That 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 if you if you're able to screw in steps, that's a that's a good good point there. You know, just to kind of keep that sight line of the deer out of there too, so they they're not freaking out about it, like you said. Yeah. So there's no no disturbance. Actually, there's a on one of our addictions episodes. Andre's in the stand. He kills a buck, um, and the deer comes in. You can see it plain as day in the video. The deer comes in, sees his, sees his, uh, his, uh, uh, his stick, and bugs out. Bugs out like about you know runs out to like 20, 25 yards and just standing, looking back at his stick. Well, then he killed and then he shoots the buck. Mm-hmm. But you can totally tell that that deer saw that stick and did not like that situation. And, yep. And, and and that was on a private farm in Iowa. So, you know, what's, you know, what's it going to, what's, you know, what's going to happen if you're on public ground in Michigan or Ohio? Yeah. Right. Well, and Dan Infall even talked about that too. I don't know, last year, year before when he came out with his sticks and how he, you know, ties his ropes up a, a, a different way or just ties them up so they're not dangling because he said he's had bucks come in or does and blow just from that that strap hanging and that makes total sense that's just the little things i think that a lot of people might forget that it's like you know that could be a game changer for you oh for sure like i see guys and they'll they'll hang a stand and they'll have their sticks and stand out there and like they don't they just let their their straps just blow in the wind i i mean i'm super like i'm wrapping those things up tight there's not going to be any you know movement coming from anywhere i think you know, that's crazy to leave those things out there and catch something's attention. I mean, that's what a deer goes off of a lot of times is, is if they're not using their nose and they're going to go off a of movement. Yeah, definitely. So, I, why, I agree. Why, you know, why draw attention, you know, to, you know, to your location. That's why I think too, that sometimes it's really, I see guys blind rattle and I'm like, like, did you think about that before you just cracked those horns? <laughs> right. yep. You know, like think about your positioning. Like yep. what did you do to put yourself into where, you know, a big deer is not going to circle in, uh, you know, and, and around, you know, downwind side of you. Like, you know, did you use any kind of structure or something to block them off from doing that? Like, I think that's just suicide. I think you're just giving up your location as soon as you do that. For sure. I actually did it. I So I don't rattle basically at all in Michigan. Um, I, I will use a grunter. You know, basically if I see a buck that I need to work, that's when I'll grunt. I, I don't do a lot of blind calling, but when I was in Iowa last year, that was the thought process I had. I, I blind rattled a few times, but it was to where I could see what a deer is doing downwind or I had structure there knowing that that deer wasn't going to get downwind and screw me up. Like that's the first thing that I thought of. And, um, but I have had blind rattles work. You know, I, I killed a buck in Missouri, uh, 2015 in the morning, got in crisp morning, uh, had some structure downwind that I, that I wouldn't, I knew that the deer were not going to bust me. It was actually a hill that I, like the hill was huge. Like there was no way that the deer was going to get around me behind me. And I cracked him together 52 seconds after I started my rattle sequence, he ran right underneath me and I shot him at 32 yards. So it, it works when, like you said, if it, if you have the perfect scenario, but you are, it's a death sentence though, too. Yeah, because they, I mean, like, okay, so for example, like that morning, that deer was just in that state of mind. 100%. 100%. And, he, and yep. you caught him at the perfect time. And and if you get them like that, and, and I've had them where they're out in the field and, you know, working away from me, 
and I've had them where I've rattled before, and then they they just turn around and, and look at me and throw up the middle finger and keep on walking. For sure. And then I've had times too where I where I've done that, and and they didn't even turn around and look at me. They just turned their whole body and just started galloping towards me. You know, yep. on a dead on a dead run because it was just the, the mindset I think, and you know what he was feeling at that at that given at that given moment. Um, yeah. Well, and after I shot him too, we went back and looked at all the trail cam pictures and everything, and found him in every picture he was in he was a bully he was just like a deer that was like just an asshole you know he was always bullying deer you know we had we had trail cams on video mode he'd always be like trying to fight him or trying to run him off of food sources and everything and like you said he was just in that mood that morning i mean casey's rattled that deer numerous or different days and had different reactions you know like Mm -hmm. one day he runs in the next day he's like well no like you said like I'm not going over there, you know? And I also think there's, to me, like turkey hunting, like I feel like there's a bubble. You know, if you're like reaping a turkey or you're trying to get in close to a turkey, I feel like there's like a barrier. Usually it's like 60 yards or 70 yards. If you can get in there and you have like a decoy and you're like trying to, you're trying to like force yourself on him, more than likely that bird's going to come and, and visit you. But if you do it at 150 yards, he's probably going to be like, well, fuck you. I, like, you're not a threat oh, to yeah. me right now. And I oh. kind of feel like that's the same way with deer in, in some aspects. You know, going back to your point on that deer that you rattled into and then, and then observing those trail cam pictures later, you know, right there is like, you know, that's some information too. If you, if you notice that about a deer, like, man, you know, this deer, you know, this deer here, he just, he thinks he's a badass yep. or this deer here is like, you know what? You can tell like he just does not, he shies away from, you know, that kind of stuff or whatever. That's where, you know, if you're sitting in the stand um, where you're sitting in the stand and you see, you know, that deer that maybe he's kind of got that, you know, kind of shy at- attitude and stuff like that. You're like, man, I can't call to him because he's just not that type of deer. Or yep. if you get that bully, you're like, I can call that deer in. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a shot. Yeah, and he came in. The t- I was in a creek, creek bottom, uh, and the fields, the ag fields, were higher than me. I was down the bottom of it on both sides, and he come from the south, and it was a hay field, and I couldn't see him out there. Like I said, I was just blind rattling. I think he was cruising that edge of that uh, that hay field that morning and heard me, but couldn't see me. So that was key. Like he could hear a fight. But he couldn't see me, and he couldn't see anything down in that creek. And he was probably like, well, shit, I need to go over and investigate. And whatever buck comes out, I'm going to beat his ass. That's, you know, the buck that comes out hurt, you know. So I, it's crazy. When you when you get out west, and I've seen some fights where two bucks will be going at it, and you'll have ten bucks from every direction running into the fight, basically as bystanders. Like, okay, who's going to come out limping? Who's going to come out where I can get a oh, piece yeah. of them too? Yeah. You know, it's crazy to watch. Well, and I've been, I was in Kansas. I actually, it's a hunt that's uh, on Whitetail Addictions. And I was out there, and uh, me and a buddy went out there, and there's a property we'd never even seen before. All we had was like basically just an aerial of the place. And we went out there and just tried to figure it out in seven to 10 days that we had, you know, that, that we had to, to hunt that farm. Um, and we, I had my had my horns with me early in the hunt, and it was in November, and um, I cracked them together on, on a couple different days. Um, you know, with some thought in mind, you know, where I was set up and them not being able to get around me or whatever, but um, and nothing. And then on the, um, it was on the very last day that I could be there, and then I was going to have to go home and go back to work. Um, actually, uh, Jared or Dottie, yep. um, he was out there and, um, with an, another friend and they were hunting another farm and said, we got a text. My buddy was in the tree with me cause he was tagged out and he said, he said, we got a, he said, we rattled this morning and rattled a bucket. And I was like, and I had just brought my horns that morning, uh, again for, in case, one was, you know, out there going to get away from me or whatever. And I turned around, I told my buddy, Mike, I said, you know what? I said, 
what do we have to lose? I said, it's my last day here. I'm like, I got to try something. I rattled five bucks in at once. Holy crap. <laughs> and I killed, and I killed one of them. It's just crazy though. Like you said, the mindset, like for four, the first four days of November, they could be just not wanting it. And the fifth day, I mean, every block comes out of the woodwork. It's just, yeah. it's crazy how that turns on and off like that. Yeah, it, it was nuts. Like, uh, you know, it went from like zero to, you know, I just said, hey, well, let's give it a try. And I mean, that buck came right in on a string and came to the base of the tree, actually caught me drawing and went out a little ways and then gave me a shot and I shot him. And then uh, right after that, I had another like big 10 of a split G2 come in. He was right, right in behind us at like five yards. And then he bugged out, and then we had this big old – I got it all on video too. Um, and I had this big old bruiser just, I mean, come in there, I mean, ready to kill something. <laughs> I love that. He was so worked up. Mike and I were in a cedar tree about 8 or 10 foot high. Or no, 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 it was a cottonwood because we were out in the open, but we had a cedar tree in behind us. And we were only like 8 or 10 foot high in this – in, in, in this because that's where the cover was if we went above it we were going to be exposed and um he walked right by us at like literally five yards and and him and i were in that tree and talking to each other and he's like staring at us looking at us not just i think if we got down i think i think we might have i think we would have gotten a fight with him <laughs> he was angry Get tangled up with a buck in Kansas. I don't know if I'd want to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He had a big tine broke off and big scarves on his back and everything That's else. Cool. He was, yeah, he's a cool deer. Well, good deal. Um, I've, I've got one more question for you before we do wrap this up, and I want to kind of go back to the moon phase. So this year in 2000, which will be the 2020 season, the full moon is going to happen on October 31st. So what does yep. that mean to you? Like how are you going to approach that? So I'm kind of looking at like this. So the the 29th or hold on the the 30th, the 31st, and the first, I think will be a little bit slow. I mean, this is just my two cents, and it's all weather dependent too. So the the 29th, the 28th, the 27th, and 26th, I think are going to be killer. If you're on to a particular buck, I think those evenings are going to be phenomenal to get on that deer. And then you're going to come in like the second, third, fourth, and fifth. Those mornings should be really, really good sets in November, um, depending on weather. But historically, and I don't know why this is, the first five days of November, a lot of times it always warms up. Yep. Yeah. I, I was actually going to say why that. I agree. I don't remember the last time where we had, where, when, where I was, whether I was in Kansas or Iowa or whatever, but like last year in Iowa, I was there from the second to the seventh or eighth and those second, third, fourth, fifth were warm days, like warmer you know, not like hot, but warmer. Like you, I want those low 30 days. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I agree. That's been my, and I don't know why that is. And it's like, it always seems to happen. And then it always seems to like all of a sudden right around the sixth or so, it seems to start to cool back down a little bit. Now it'll snow like crazy and be 25 <laughs> degrees this year. Cause I said that, but perfect. Um, but, but I don't, you know, and it's funny, like, man, if I had to pick one day in November, God, November 9th has just been like the day for me in November. That's, I tend to get, always go out, I tend to always be out of state too at that time. So then that's all I'm doing is, is hunting the whole time. But I think I've killed, I think I've killed five bucks on the ninth. That's crazy. That's awesome. Like, I've got a couple days like that. And obviously last year when I killed my biggest year on the 7th of November, that is now my new favorite day. But uh, uh, the 2nd and the 4th have always been really good days for me uh, in November for whatever reason. And then the 7th is now my favorite day, but uh, <laughs> for for good reason. Hopefully it, it keeps that way, though. 
you know, I've always, the seventh always election day, you know, so, um, I've always wanted to like in the seventh, there's so many guys out there like, man, the seventh is my favorite day. And I'm always fired up for the seventh to come around. And the seventh has never been good to me. I'm like, <laughs> like, like I, I'll like have days where I'm like, I haven't seen one deer today. Like, and, and now the sun's going down. This is, you know, like, yep. I don't know. Um, I'm sna- I'm snake bit on that day for some reason. Well, good. I'll I'll keep that day then. You can have the ninth. You keep, I'll take yeah, the you seventh. keep that day. I'll keep the ninth. <laughs> Perfect, man. Well, good deal. I want to. Yeah, I know you're at work right now and and taking your break. So I appreciate you coming on and doing this. And I'm I pulled a lot of information out of this. And I know a lot of people have been writing in and wanting to know more about the moon phase. So I think a lot of people are going to take this out of there too. So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, no problem. And uh, I'm glad to glad to be on and um yeah i'm i want to i want to plug uh whitetail addiction for sure custom gear here for a second but yeah like i I would you know get onto our uh our our lone wolf custom gear youtube page um you can see all of our whitetail addictions um shows we just did our final episode uh with andre um just last night um and then our lone wolf custom gear um where i i think we have the i think we have the the best mobile hunting um product on uh, on the market um i would I, I would love to do some comparisons to to uh any other stuff that's out there for sure because i think uh you, you take a guy you take two guys like andre and cody and they've really um perfected um, what they started, uh, uh, what, what Andre had started back in 1984. Yeah. They've, they've got a good thing going, man. And it's been long lasting and Andre, I mean, his track record is, I watched that episode last night and I'm like, man, this guy's an animal. Like he is just a different breed of hunter. <laughs> you know, he, he is an animal. He just thinks differently. He is, he is, he, he's just got, and he's just got that that knack you know like um like somebody had said like you know somebody you know some people just you know they're just naturally gifted at, at in athletics or whatever it might be or book smarts or whatever he's just he's just got a way to read sign and, and fully understand it and 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 make a move on a deer before the deer makes the move yep and get in there undetected, <laughs> you know, and, and do that and, and get the, I mean, he's killed some giants. I mean, giants. <laughs> I, yeah, we were talking last time I was out there. He's got 18 gross boons with a bow. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. He's supposed to be coming on the podcast sometime soon. I, I talked to him two weeks ago, I think it was, and I got to re re up with him but I, I i can't wait to have him on and and do that because i just want to pick his brain <laughs> oh yeah getting it won't take it won't take very much he'll get wound up and into some good stories he yeah. loves the he he loves to get into some and he's got some great stories i mean stuff that you know but just some giants that he's hunted over the years that he never got even you yep. know he's hunted he's hunted a couple bucks that would have flirted with that world record typical and just to have that in an area where you can hunt is just that's the first hurdle you know like just and yeah. even just finding a deer like that they, they don't they're not like that every day <laughs> you know like it's it's seriously lightning in a bottle it is yeah so well cool man i, I like like justin said go in and check out whitetail addictions on youtube that i love watching your guys's content it's just cool to see all those guys all you guys um, you know, doing your thing and, and, and killing giants in different states and getting on different deer. And it's, it's so cool. Go check that out. And again, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. And we still have a date to, uh, do another podcast in the fall sometime. You just got to let me know when we're going to do it. So I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Podcast. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, thank you very much.
think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.